0: Welcome to the iDestiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Right, so as it doesn't get too kind of you just sitting there and listening to somebody talking, not that my husband isn't one of the most interesting speakers I've ever heard. I mean, he is so fascinating that it's not a problem. Not, not a problem. But I do like sometimes to have you know get you involved. Sort of, I won't ask any hard questions. Don't like him. I won't ask really hard questions. You know, um, and do, you know just have little scenarios and things so it makes it a bit more, um, well anyway, light-hearted. And the frivolous one we decided, and he's the sort of serious one. That's, that's not true at all. Actually, is he not serious? Is that right? Is that right? Anyway, wait a minute. Oh, I've got, I have got something in here. Here we are. This is it. Okay. So irvy has been talking about this whole experience really of us out, taking on board this stuff, these messages when we, often when we are younger, it's, it's n- nearly always when we're younger, taking these messages on board and the effect that has on our lives. So, if you imagine, well, like to imagine, right, this is a real heart, right? Here we are, our heart. Sarah made this heart <laughs> years and years ago, didn't you? She loves this, you know, she, plays, she has it all the time. She does, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what happens is that our heart gets wounded. So, if you imagine, right, this is... Um, just a painful message that we receive in our heart and it hurts, it really hurts. And it may be just one message, there may be other messages as well that um, our heart receives and and the trouble is that as small children we don't really have the ability to... Um, protect our hearts you know we don't have that ability to rationalize as we do as adults and think well actually they didn't mean that yeah that wasn't intentional it wasn't like I understand why they said that all we know is that the message is painful it hurts us right Um, and so we our hearts receive these wounds and the wounds, then, we tend to cover over or we bury or we protect, like Irving said, with um, walls, Yeah, protective walls. Now, obviously, a lot depends upon our background and upon the way we're, we are brought up and the circumstances of uh, our lives when we're young. Um, and so I think for some of us, the wounds will not be very severe. For others, the wounds will be very profound and deep. Um, And if I start crying at some point, it's not only because I am very emotional female, but also because members of my family have suffered extremely deep wounds in their lives, Um, that they are still (sighs) having to live with the results of that. And it's very, very hard. Um, so, for us to be able to come to you and say, although we may have been wounded and, you know, nobody's perfect, I mean, we, are parents, we've made mistakes. And Sarah's a parent, she probably hasn't made many mistakes. <laughs> but, you know, even the best of us, and I think we're pretty much, you know, good. Um, That's a fact, by the way, not a truth. <laughs> okay even the best of us, you know, we make mistakes, we do things wrong. Um, And so it would be very unusual if anybody managed to get away with no wounds, right? With no wounds at all. (coughs) Um, So looking at sort of just a bit unpacking, really, some of what Irving was saying about what sort of... (laughs) Gosh, that's... What sort of things might we be believing? And the, I, Right, let me just say before this that <laughs> although I've said I'm like the light-hearted one, it's not act- actually true at this point <laughs> because I am going to be talking about negative things that we, be, we believe. But the reason I'm doing that is because I want us to be free. I want you to be free. Okay? So if there is any of this stuff in your heart, then You know, I want to to give you sort of um, strategies as how to uncover the lies and replace them with the truth and find freedom in that area and have a better relationship with God, with people, with yourself as well. Okay, so that's the aim of this. Okay, so don't look so serious, boys. You do look really, really serious. You just... (laughs) Smile at me occasionally, please, And I keep bashing this, it's not going to make horrible noises on the tape. Is there anything I can do about that? It's, the trouble is I, touch, I I can't stop it I can't <laughs> Right <laughs> Sorry. so so Irving's talked about the effect of his dad, and my dad actually, he's worked. Long hours, so I didn't see much of him. So we've talked about the effects of an absent dad. Um, you know, it could be. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember what you said. Now, what did you say? The effects of an absent dad. Anybody? Can anybody remember what you said? <laughs> I'm, worthless. I'm worthless. Okay. OK, we'll, well, we'll keep it that's as our mis- mistake as well. All right. Um, yeah. All right, OK. Um, I think as well, if your dad's not there, um, you tend to feel that you're on your own in this life and life is up to you, right? To, to make a success of life is then up to you, OK. So you've got to do it. And I think that's another one, certainly. I'm on my own or I'm alone. OK, so that would be like an absent dad. And I think there's a lot of crossover in these. What about an ambitious parent? A parent who wants the best for their child. You know there's nothing wrong with that, is there? You know, a parent who, who wants them to fulfil their potential, but, you know, who is determined they will fulfil their potential, you know? Um, I think we all, as parents, have a little bit of that in us. So we tend to push our children, yeah? We, so what, if, that, if you have that sort of parent, what might be some of the messages, the not-so-good messages that you get about yourself? If your parent, you know, really wants you to do well and you, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> what might you think about yourself, Olivia? You're not good enough. Not good enough, yeah. And it needn't be a parent, need it? It could be a teacher. Um, it quite often it is a teacher, actually. You know, you could do better than this. And, the, you know, the aim is good, isn't it? You're trying to spur them on and spur them on. But if you don't think you can do better, then, you know, you end up feeling a little bit, well, I'm just, just not good enough here. Anything else if your parent is always trying to um, get you to do better? Get, you know, you come home with your report and you've got B, and you, instead of saying, "Hey, that's great. B is good. You know, it could have been D. So B is really good." Your parents looks at it and says, "Well, why isn't it A? Why, you know, come on. This, you could get A here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's how you'd feel. Let's. I'm going to put. I'm going to put that on this side because that actually helps something we're going to do in a minute." So what you feel would be discouraged. What you believe would be, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm a disappointment. You know, or I have to do something that I am somebody. I have to do something, yeah, I to make myself somebody. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would it be okay to say, I've got to do more, yeah, got to do more, maybe? No, I'll stick with what you said, I've got to do something, yeah, that's right. to be somebody. Sorry. Yeah, and there's always, always, often seems to be always something else that you have to do, yeah, more that you have to do, yeah? Anything else? I think one you know, one one sort of conclusion that you can come to, especially I think perhaps with teachers who are disappointed in you, is I'm stupid, yeah? I'm stupid. I'm do you understand that? I'm just not clever enough, yeah. Cough. Okay. Yeah. Okay, what about um, a parent who is very strict? A parent who, you know, like when we were bringing our children up, there was um, a kind of way of parenting that was pretty strict, wasn't there? And it was like, you know, at the time it seemed good. Um, You know, there were lots of Christians writing books about being a strict parent. Not nasty parent, you know, not horrible, but strict. (laughs) Do you understand by strict? You know, quite um, firm boundaries. (laughs) Yes. So, again, it's not a bad thing to have boundaries, is it? Um, So this, this is... You know, these aren't bad parents. We're not talking about bad people. We're just talking about people who perhaps have a certain way of parenting that is not helpful sometimes. So if my parents are very strict, whew, you know, you must do this. If you don't do that, you, this will happen. Um, again, that's not a bad thing. We have to say that to our granddaughter. Yeah, we, we, we have consequences. Consequence. Not, not consequences. <laughs> Yeah, no punishments. <laughs> Sophie knows it's a punishment. <laughs> it okay. So what might be some of the things, the messages that I get, if my parents are quite strict and stern. Stern is kind of not very smiling, you know. What might be what might we believe about ourselves? I think one of the problems with the strict parent is that the strictness often appears to be disapproving. Yeah? I disapprove of you. You got that wrong. And so, you know, does that make sense? Yeah? Any thoughts? Any thoughts from... I have a thought because it was my whole childhood was based on I'm just never going good you expect me to be and you want me to be. Yeah. I can't be good enough, so, yeah. I can't hit the target. I think punishment's a real thing. If I do bad, I'm going to be punished. That right. of Yeah. <coughs> yeah maybe you know I should be punished because I've done wrong things yeah Um, so I deserve to be punished I'm it's my fault yeah okay so although none of the parents here are like bad or bad people or you know (laughs) <laughs> these parents want the best for their children usually um, nevertheless they can actually create a lot of wrong messages in their children's hearts and I suppose the other category of parents which thankfully there are not so many of are the parents who are abusive yes who in some way abuse their children right whether it may be verbally, whether it may be physically, may, may be sexually, but the, there is the abusive parent, and as you can imagine, the damage done by the abusive parent is probably even greater than the damage done by the strict or absent parents. Okay, um, and well, I'll just say some of the some of the things. I think for the, and the abusive parent, the child will often feel, I am no good, there's something wrong with me. Are you looking at yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. It's okay. someone who, who hurts their child in some way, yeah, okay. And you know this is this is very much the history of um, you know some people very close to us who have but gone through this abusive childhood and just have such dreadful pain in their hearts really. Um, and people in this situation where they have been abused as children. Um, In fact, I'll just read you a couple of verses from Isaiah 61, first of all. If you want to write that down. I'll just jot that down. So Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. So it's Isaiah 61 verse... Yes, verses one and two. So this, this is um, what Isaiah says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prison sorry, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then it goes on. But that's really the, the section. And so this is God's promise. And when it says in verse 1, to bind up the broken-hearted, that word broken-hearted is a, is a, uh, a Hebrew word, which is called Shabbat, and shabar means split into pieces it means smashed or shattered so if i took this mug and threw it on the ground actually it probably would just bounce but say say i threw it on a stone step it would shatter into many pieces right so that is the word that these the people's hearts are shattered yeah and it's the You know, the pain is so great. So that's what um, Isaiah is saying that, you know, obviously he's talking about Jesus and we'll look at that in a minute because Jesus says the same thing. He's coming to bind up that. He's coming to heal that. He's coming to bring restoration to even those who are in so many pieces that it feels like, you know, there's no healing possible. But Jesus is coming to heal those people. And if we look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. And Jesus um, is in the temple. Um, the synagogue. Sorry, he's in the synagogue in Nazareth. He unrolls the scroll and he says, "The spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And this word "oppressed" there in at the end of verse 18 it's the same idea, it's the Greek word, I can't remember the actual word, but it also means this broken hearted, the broken, right, so he's, he says he's, he's coming to release those people. Now, you know, I, like I say, there aren't very many people who are in that dreadful position and I hope that you're not in that place of brokenness and shatteredness. But first of all, God is appointing you and me and all of us as well to bring this healing to people. Right. So that's one reason why this week we are teaching you these things, partly because you are going to get free. But also because then you are going to be able to bring that freedom to other people and see them healed. Um, And also, because although none of us may be shattered in that sense, nevertheless, there are still going to be wounds there that God wants to heal and deal with. Okay? Right. Now I'm going to draw a picture. Okay? Now, I'm not good at art, but I used to be a primary school teacher, so I'm good at. drawing trees and flowers. You draw a lot of trees and flowers when you're a primary school teacher. So this is a flower. Okay, so... Actually, this is not my best flower, I have to be honest. There we are. You can tell what it is now. You can tell what it is now, yeah. So, If we look at this, it's actually a plant, isn't it? It's not just a flower, it's a plant. Okay, so this plant has, you could say, three components, three parts. It's got the flower, it's got the stem, and it's got the roots. Okay, now if we think of that flower as really st- st- us the three parts that i'm looking at are are uh, thoughts or beliefs uh feelings and our actions So, if we were to look at the three parts of the plant, the roots, the stem, and the flower, which is the most visible of those three parts? Which is the one that you notice the first, do you think? The flower, obviously, yes. Okay, looking at these three parts of um, our psyche, if you like, what do you think is the most visible? Our thoughts and beliefs? our feelings or our actions? I think, actually, there's not so obvious, this one, because it... Yeah. But what do you think? Is it our feelings, our actions, or our thoughts and beliefs? You'd, would you all agree with actions? Depends. I mean, if you're very emotional, actually, I was just thinking. <laughs> could be feelings, could it? But it's likely to be actions, OK? So the actions would be the flower. So we've now got stem. And roots for feelings and thoughts and beliefs so what do you think it stems, your it stems your feelings that's right yeah so not perhaps quite as noticeable but nevertheless if they're strong they are quite visible yeah they are quite visible so we have then thoughts and beliefs would be the things that we are most likely to keep hidden would you agree with that yeah, what you're thinking, what you're believing is the most likely to be hidden not even aware of. or not even aware of. Yes, which we'll come to in a minute. Um, so Irving said right at the end of his talk that, yes, that sometimes we're not even aware of what we're thinking and believing, but then suddenly something will happen to us and we have no idea why we've reacted in that way. So, let me give an example. Um, Yeah, all right. I might walk into a room with a, a room full of people that I know reasonably well, walk in, everybody's talking in groups, and although I know these people, and I'm familiar with this place, maybe it's this room, maybe it's you, right, but you're all talking in groups. You know, I might just have, in fact, I have had in the past, a feeling as I walk in, I don't really belong here. Yeah, I don't really belong here. Who shall I, who can I go and talk to? And, And yet, you think, where does that come from? Because I know these people, they all like me or seem to like me. You know, none of them is horrible. Why am I thinking I don't belong here? Right, well, we'll come to that in a minute, because I'm going to tell you a bit about my story, just deserving to tell you a little bit about his story. Um, another example might be... Um, I'm sorry, these are all kind of examples from my, my life, which probably don't have a lot in common with <laughs> your lives. But, you know, as a, as, as a mother, you do a lot of clearing up, and so on and so forth. Um, but... You know you don't mind doing that, but you know there are times when you can just walk in to the kitchen, and there's all loads of dirty dishes all over the kitchen, and instead of just coming, oh they've messed up, you know they've left it all. You suddenly scream. You suddenly say, "What do you? You know, do you just?" Take me for granted, don't you? you know, I'm your slave here in this house, and you just couldn't care less, could you? You're just so uncaring and thoughtless and selfish. And Never that about no, I. Okay. <laughs> right, so I'm just giving an example there of how a little tiny thing really can set off a reaction in you that can make you... that is somehow... Oh, how can I explain this? It's not in proportion to the thing. It's a small thing that happens and it's a big reaction. Does that make sense? Yeah? It may be an angry reaction. It may be a just withdraw, 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 let me get away from here reaction. Yeah? Um, You know, it could be a you just burst Well, this is more... You know, girls, burst into tears reaction, um, but it's out of proportion. It's not, you know, it makes you think, where did that come from? You know, why am I, you know, what's going on there? Um, Okay, so, yeah, so what do we do in that sort of situation? Say it's an angry reaction right, and you're good Christians, and we're all good Christians, right, and, you, you know, you do occasionally get really angry and end up saying things that you wish you hadn't said. What do you think you should do? You think, I've got to now, what? <laughs> Try to, <laughs> what? Do better. Do better. I said, I said, have a beer. Have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no glass of red wine. I think in my case, really, not not a beer. <laughs> yeah, I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop this. I'm just stop stop being angry. Just or I can I have to I, you know push that anger down. Okay, just make myself not react so grit my teeth, Not let those words come out. Yeah. But the trouble is, and I don't know if any of you at home, well. A, I'm sure you have gardens, because all Germans have gardens, because all Germans live in beautiful countryside with lovely houses. And they probably have sheep in the garden, and chickens, and hens. Is that right? No. No sheep. All right. Well, okay. right. Um But in our garden, we have lots of um, plants called weeds. They're bad plants, horrible plants. You don't like weeds, right? So what you try to do is get rid of the weeds, yeah? So what do you do? You cut the weed. And you throw this bit away. So what happens maybe two months later? It goes back up again, yeah? It's there again. And so this is why we're saying it's really important to try to identify what the beliefs are Because if you just try to change the behaviours, it's hard to change feelings. I mean, (laughs) I don't think you can really. But if you try to just change your behaviours, the problem is that they just spring back up again. And what you need to do is address this area here, right? You need to look at what's going on here. Yeah. Um, I'll just, I'm going to read you these. They are. Um, I'll give you the reference to these, but in fact, this version is very, very good. Um, so, one is Proverbs four, verse twenty-three, and one is Romans twelve, verse two. But these are in particular; these particular versions are very good. This is in the Good News version. And this is in a kind of version called Today's English Version. So Proverbs 4:23 says this, "Be careful how you think. your life is shaped by your thoughts." So it, what they what saying there is this area here is what shapes our lives." yeah? And Romans 12:2... Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Yeah? Changing this area here. Right? And when this area is here is changed, this will be different. Okay? This will be different. Right. Let's have a look. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of, of, about me and my story. Um, yeah, there it is. One of the problems is that these, as Irving said, often lie so deep that you don't even know they're there. Yeah? You don't know they're there. Um, and one of the other problems, actually, is <laughs> that because You know, when when we're Christians, we're not supposed to have any of these negative, destructive beliefs in our lives. Yeah, then it makes it harder to believe that they're like, I'm a load of rubbish. It's so different from what God says that it's really hard to, you know, actually identify that as as a belief if you're a Christian. Right. So often they they're buried deep down here. Lies, well, I think we've, we've looked at this already, lies affect the way we see ourselves, right? So if, you know, if we think, you know, if we think I'm worthless, then you're not going to believe that you're going to do, really achieve very much. Does that make sense? Yeah? Um, if, if you think, right, if I do bad, I'm going to be punished, then you make sure that you're not going to be punished and you often will end up blaming other people so they're the ones who get punished instead. Okay, Um, I've got to do something to be somebody. It's hard work. It's exhausting. It's, you know, it's it's stressful. (laughs) Yeah, it's stressful. Lies affect the way we see others as well and I'll talk about this in a bit more, a bit more detail. They also, and Irving said this already, they affect the way we see God. Um, I know last week you did a lot about your fathers, and when I did the Father Heart Week, it really, really highlighted the fact that because my father was absent, because my father was not an emotional person, Um, Because my father didn't actually give me a lot of, um, like, emotional kind of input, that's what I thought God was like, right? God was distant and he was more of a, how can I explain it? More like a boss, a kind boss in in a factory than a father. You know, he was kind, he was good, but he was distant. So it affected the way I saw God. Um, right. So my story. Let me just look at the time. Mm, yeah, we're all right. So when I was um, when I was ten years old, I took an exam um, that would decide whether I was going to go to um, a quite academic kind of school. Um, was that like your? gymnasium, is that right? Yeah, Or a, a, a less academic school, more vocational school. Now the problem is that everybody did that, everybody had that exam. Um, the problem for me was that um, the headmaster in my school thought, oh though we've got a few people here, pupils here, they are quite clever, so it will look good for the school if we get them to sit that exam one year in advance. So normally, that exam would be at 11 years old, but I sat that exam at 10 years old. And I passed, which was great. Everybody was very proud of me. You know, they thought, yeah, it was good, it was good. Um, What wasn't so good though was that I was quite young for my age, really, so quite immature, really, at 10, Um, and I was shy, right, so I was quite timid girl, and I didn't really Um, So, and I was the only one from my school to go to the grammar school, it is, right, Um, from my class. So when I got there, I was just not ready to go to grammar school, secondary school, and I was very lonely because I just could not make friends. Um, And it was like Irving said, the more you think... Um, in your mind, um, nobody likes me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough, I'm, then it seems like nobody would like you, and it's, it's, it's a strange thing. And so I was just considered the, the little girl who was just a shy, shy little girl, like a nobody, really, a nobody. Um, and that was one of my lies, <laughs> I'm a nobody, yeah? Like invisible, honestly, it was like that. You know when, the, oh, you know that, maybe you don't do this in Germany, but in English schools, when, um, you know, when it's sports time, there's usually a, 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 like um, a team game and the two best um, athletes pick the teams and you say, oh, I'll have her. Oh, well, if you're having her, I'll have her. And, you know, where I was, <laughs> oh, no, we've got to have, well... You have a, no, you have a. It was literally like that. You know? Yeah. So I know it's really, yeah. I know it really was. It, was, it was hard. It was hard anyway. So um, school was not the best time for me, really. And I'm just going to, to describe to you um, a, sc- a scene at my school, okay? A little scene at my school. I was probably about thirteen years old, maybe thirteen or fourteen years old. Um, I'm just going to put that. So the scene, right? And uh, we all had lunch at school. So the, the, there was a, uh, like a, a canteen in the school, a restaurant. Uh, restaurant. That's a bit <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's rather po- posh for the, what it was like. But anyway, you, you had school meals and you all sat at a table of about eight people. And you sat at that table for two years, right, for, you know, so you're with the same people. And I was the one girl on this table of boys, which, you know, they were actually all right boys. They weren't bad, horrible boys or anything like that. But, you know, being shy, being very withdrawn. Um, every day I would go and sit at this table and not say anything, nothing at all. I would just never communicated. And I got a name, a nickname um, from these boys and they called me Smiler. Now you know what a smile is, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, this was an ironic nickname. It was a <laughs> sarcastic nickname because I just sat there. I just ate my food. Never looked... at anybody. I was, It was sad, really. I mean, I think... <laughs> yeah. So, that was... For two years, that was how it was. That was me. Smiler. Right? And... So, eating lunch was, was horrendous. Right. Anyway, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because... This is part of. Um, well, this is this is a helpful strategy to identify these lies. So we're going to have three columns like that, okay? And in the first column, we're going to have behaviour. What did I do? The second column, we're going to have the feelings. Remember the stem, yeah? How did I feel? The third column. Was what did I think about myself? What were my beliefs or thoughts? Okay. So, well, I've told you a little bit about my behaviours. <laughs> not a lot to that, really. What, what, what could you say about the way I behaved? So reserved. Yeah. Okay. Reserved. Anything else? What did I not do? <laughs> right? So how, how could you say that? I mean, I didn't smile, so I was kind of um, <laughs> miserable. <laughs> miserable. Maybe. I just made miserable. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was. They must have thought, oh, that blooming girl. You know, <laughs> do we have to sit with her again? <laughs> I probably also, I mean, that was not just a behaviour, looking miserable. Sort of miserable is kind of sad. It, it looked, yeah, I looked I look miserable, miserable is sad. Yeah, very sad, really. So we'll put that there. I was I'm, I'm pretty sad. <laughs> oh. um, Silent as well. Silence. uh, Yeah. Withdrawn. Silence. Did you feel trapped? Presumably you felt trapped. Yes, I did feel trapped because there was no way of going to another table. I didn't, obviously, no friends on that table. Um, So I did feel trapped. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anything else do you think I might have felt? You want to, were you angry for being in that situation? No, I don't think, I don't recall feeling angry at all. Just upset, just miserable, sad, really, just sad. Yeah, not yeah. yeah. think as well, I, because obviously there were other girls who got on really well with the lads and would like to joke and laugh and, you know, just kind of, uh, it just made me feel inadequate, really, I suppose, inadequate. And as well, I think, because, like, day after day, I would sit there, and nobody would talk to me, because I wouldn't talk to them. I mean, they probably tried to talk to me at the beginning, but because, you know, I I just felt invisible. Like, if I hadn't been there, it would have made absolutely no difference whatsoever, yeah. Just felt invisible. Um... I think there are probably other feelings as well. Um, But anyway, I think that's enough probably. So what do you think I might have been believing about myself? Um, You know, I think sometimes when we're trying to sort of uncover these roots, it's good to look at the feelings and think, okay. If I felt alone, what would I be thinking, therefore, or believing? Alone. Yeah, that you are, I am alone. There's nobody else there for me. Um, I think. Yeah. These feelings are often actually thoughts. beliefs anyway. I'm they are yes. Feel inadequate. The belief is I'm not. Good yeah, enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm yes. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, it was more that really, because it like I'm inadequate. I could have, I could have, you know, maybe I could have thought I'll try to do something else, but it was like <laughs> I didn't have any resources to do anything else, you know, or be anything else. Um, I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me really really I'm not (laughs) I can laugh about it now and in fact I'm completely different and I know I'm none of these things but um, what did you say there's something wrong with me yeah And I think behind this, you know, there's something wrong with me. There's quite a lot of shame, really. You're ashamed of, you know, who you feel you are. And then I think that reinforces this one. Because I know I never, ever went home and said to my mum or dad, you know, I'm just really unhappy at school. You know, every day I go in. Could could we perhaps try and change it so I'm on a different table? It never, ever occurred to me. To think I'll tell somebody about this and we'll we'll make it better together, you know. So it was like, I I don't tell anybody either. I don't, I keep it all to myself, and that's a pretty miserable place to be as well. Uh, Yeah. You feel a bit stuck though, don't you? If if you're feeling all those things, believing all those things, you don't think actually there's anything else. You'd know. I think that is my life. Yes, yeah. You just have to get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you don't talk about it, isn't it? Yes, you it is. It, yeah. You don't actually know there's an option. Yeah. To yeah, and I think that's there's nothing will change as well. It's a quite a horrible place to be. is you, you No, uh, no. No, I th- I thought they just felt I was irrelevant. That's I I had that's nothing that's to that's to contribute that's to, that's to in- Yeah. Maybe I need it. I mean, I, mean I'm, I'm so, so. I think some of these are different ones I've not come across before. No, I'm fine. I am totally irrelevant. <laughs> Is it two R's irrelevant? Irrelevant. Do you understand what irrelevant means? It means totally not important. Sort of more than that, isn't it? More than not important. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's quite a lot really there, isn't there? I think there's enough to think, to realise that, you know, there were a lot of sort of foundational wrong beliefs and lies that, you know, affected probably the first 40 years of my life, really. Um, Right. So just going to spend another five minutes now because I don't want to take too long. Um, let's see. Have you got any questions? Anything you want to ask or comment on? Or... Go on. <laughs> Is it going to be cheeky or rude? I'm here sitting, see you, please. But this all happened because if you'd been dead outgoing and dead bouncing around and flouncing around everywhere, somebody else would have grabbed you before. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't know what that sounds like. Sounds like you need to right <laughs> mm. No, we just call it part of God's amazing tapestry and plan for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the interweaving of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, right, so how do you handle that? Or, I mean, that's just me, but there are obviously other scenarios in everybody's life that how do we handle these things? What do we do? Because we have to cope day by day with life, yeah? You have to cope. So I'm just looking now at some coping strategies. Now, Timon, I think you came up with something really quite what profound here. Is it that one? Yeah? I've got to do something to be somebody. I've got to do something to be somebody. And I think that the aim of our lives, certainly when you know, we're younger, is that sense of to be somebody. Yeah? to feel good about ourselves, to feel that we're OK. <laughs> you know, not, not even dead special, but just as I'm OK. We're OK. And so that's one coping strategy that you came up with there, Teeman, right? And that's what we will call the performance strategy. And basically, it's exactly what you said. It's to feel good about myself, to feel I like am somebody, yeah, to feel that I, des- I, I take this place up in the world and I deserve it, <laughs> then I must do well. And, you know, just, gosh, you know, when you think about it, it's like the world has a standard, you know, like a ruler. And you know, as long as you get somewhere near here, you're okay. If you're struggling round about here, then that's diff- you know, that's not so good, right? You don't feel so good about yourself. But when you become a Christian, guess what? Guess what? Oh, <gasps> wow, wow! There's a lot of standard. There's a lot of standard. There's a lot of rules to follow. There's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of, yeah. So. Actually, it goes on and on and on this one. This is the long one, isn't it? That stretches right across the garden. Yeah. Yeah, it Gosh, it's so hot there. I'm to <laughs> but the thing is, when you become a Christian, you think it should get easier. But if you're getting the wrong messages in church as well, it actually gets harder. Because God's standard... Hmm, can't get too high in this room. But it's actually... The sky, you know, his glory reaches the sky. So his standard goes through the roof, right, and up to infinity, yeah? And there are a lot of things that we, and I mean, I include our own church as well in this, in the past, a lot of things that we tell people that they can do in order to reach the standard. So what are, what are some of those things, do you think, that we've said, to, if, if you want to be a really good Christian, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Yeah, read your Bible. Anything Get else? Get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and read your Bible. Gosh, I think that's... Fast, fast yes, fast. Yeah. Learn the gospel with somebody every day. Oh, yes. Yeah. Th- that's a big one, isn't it, that? So speak to somebody about Jesus every day. Go to more meetings, yes, that's where the more meetings you go to. Especially if it means having to go out and leave your children. <laughs> 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 Lift your hands up and dance when everybody else is dancing. That's right, yes. Raise your hands. Let's do that. Right. Lots and lots of different things that we feel we're expected to do. And also, I think, sadly, you know, Christian parents can fall into the trap of saying, come on, you're a Christian. You know, you should be not lying. You should be not shouting at your brother. You should be not you know, that's not what Christians do, is it? So let's you know, be more Christ-like. You know, try to be more Christ-like. And so it's all to do with doing well. The second one, the second area in which we try to feel good about ourselves is to get other people's approval. Yeah? So, to feel good about myself I have to be liked. I must be liked. And I think, you know, some of these things that we do to perform we also do so that people are like us. Yeah? Well, if I do extra, um what? I don't know if i do put myself on the rotor for children's work extra then the pastor will like me and the youth leaders will like me and you know i'll be i'll be i'll be okay i'll be liked the chore with this one though is that we're all different aren't we so there's going to be bits of me that are absolutely fine but probably not everybody's going to like And so the the problem is I try, I try to sort of have masks that I put on so that I can be the person you want me to be, yeah? Not the person I really am, but the person that I think you want me to be. And so it's difficult then because it's like, where's the real me? Where's the real, real me? And dare I be the real me because you might not like that person, yeah? Yeah. So performance approval. This is um, another area where we scared of getting punished, so if we feel that we are going to get punished, then we shift the blame to somebody else often, yeah, because we're afraid it must be my fault. So. I'll shift the blame I'll hide that okay and then the third one is the area of shame which I mentioned before and when we're ashamed then we just hide that's not actually always true sometimes we can There can be shame in our lives, but we just become determined that we will prove to ourselves and others that we are are okay. there's nothing wrong with us. The trouble is that that is very exhausting and quite often we will, how can I explain this, Um, we will sort of be, be aiming to strive to do something and at the last minute we'll just withdraw because we're just afraid that people will see the real us. But often it's, I must hide. And that's where I was here, really. I must hide. Okay. So, with these four areas, there are um, lies, obviously. The performance one, I must do well, hides the lie that I'm not good enough. Yeah? I'm not good enough. What you were saying, Timon approval I must be liked hides the lie what lie do you think is there? I'm not worthy I'm not likeable I'm not I'm rejected I'll be rejected yeah the blame is it must be my fault I must be punished yeah and the shame is I'm just fundamentally there's something wrong with me which is what you know you said there's something wrong with me so we just need to get rid of these this stuff we need to get out of this area of coping and find a place where we are just free Um, and I think that's what we'll be talking about in the next few days I think I'm going to leave it there yeah, I'll leave it there. And maybe we could change the heating again. <laughs> Is there anything you wanted to ask or to add, or anything that you maybe don't understand, or maybe you think, well, I don't, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I don't see it like that. Um, anything at all? Okay, does it make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Okay. That's good. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk